Hi family. Thanks for coming back for part two. So how was your weekend? And if you know, you're watching, listening to this after October of 2020, how was your weekend? Where are we? But uh, for those of you that just listened to part one, that was on the new moon of the last portion of the year that is 2020. Did you notice the new moon? Did you, were you able to catch the podcast in time? And was there anything that you noticed in taking the, um, taking in your surroundings? If that is a new practice and even if it isn't a new practice, I often, mm, I often experience, that's the word. I often experience that sometimes when I bring a little bit of in, more intentionality to something, it kind of shifts. Like I, I can perceive something, you know, um, I, my son and I were on a play date with a, a good friend and her son today. And the, <clears throat> the little, one of the little boys, he, he's going to be five. He said, you know, why do we keep going? Why do, you know, we want to go to the same playground. And I mean, the truth of why I'm going to the same playground is because my son enjoys it. And the mother was telling me the story and I was laughing and I was thinking about something that has become, um, to the forefront of my mind is the subtlety of returning to a place. There is a movie right now. A lot of people are watching called the octopus teacher if, or my octopus teacher. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Um, he also mentions there that when you return to a place again and again and again, you start to notice the subtlety and, I found it funny in my, I guess it's over observation or metaphorical analysis that it was that day at the playground that the little boy had moved this thing, this ladder thing that I thought was, um, you know, in a certain form that was immovable. I had been to this playground probably at least 25 times, and today was the first time that I realized that it actually has this one ladder has this flexibility to it. And I thought, just with so much that's going on in, in this year that is 2020, that it was a confirmation for me that the clues that I'm looking for or the places to attune myself are the subtleties that are already around me. I'm a big adventurer. So maybe for you, it would be the opposite. Maybe you are someone that doesn't go, you know, to as many places. And for you, the invitation would be to kind of like change your environment. So I'm bringing that up in the idea of, you know, being attuned for yourself and um, wondering, did you, did it land for you? In the part one, we talked about pattern interruption and letting a thought go and, um, you know, just those simple practices of like, instead of searching for an answer of something, surrendering it. Because, because you still need to find the clarity or come into balance, but maybe the way that we're trying to achieve, that we're trying to achieve an answer is actually going to emanate from stillness and not motion. It's going to emanate from observation, not innovation you know, or not, not, I don't want to say not innovation, not a new thing, like an, uh, like a real observation about what's already around as opposed to, um, needing the outside stimulus of a new thing, just like the scrolling effect, right? There's a never ending scroll. It's like that Instagram, Facebook have figured out that we like the, uh, completion of something. And so, 
even though we know the software never ends, logically, it doesn't matter psychologically. We'll just keep scrolling because we want to, we want to see what's next. Other thing that I'm going to connect you with me, uh, connect with them. Last, in the last episode, we were talking about um, there's a mountain, there's no mountain, there's a mountain again. And I'm watching The Last Airbender. It's the story of the Avatar. It's on Netflix. And um, it was made a while ago, and it's based off of um, some martial arts philosophies and principles that I, I really enjoy and kind of are great reminders for me. And so, like, the airbender, okay? So there's this kid, and he is the la- he's the avatar, and he needs to kind of save the world, right? And he was born as an airbender, and it's a reference point to the elements, right? Earth, water, air, and fire. And his job is, he's a kid, is to master all four elements so that he can go in do this big fight and bring rebring um, balance. So the thing is, is that he has to have a strong relationship and balancing of all the four elements inside himself before he could ever affect his external. And so he was born an airbender, which kind of means that he has like these spidey senses when it comes to air. And then he's learning about water and water kind of comes pretty naturally to him. And then he has to go learn about earth and he's having a really hard time. And he's used to excelling. And his friend says to him, well, I think you're having a hard time with Earth because it's, it's the opposite of, of you. Like, water and air are closer in their elemental representations. But air and Earth, it's like it's the opposite of how you would normally approach and handle things. And that is why it's difficult for you. And I thought, oh, this is such a good reminder to cultivate the opposite. That when we're seeking balance, we have that practice of cultivating the opposite and what that might mean for you. And so it doesn't mean that, you know, again, if you're new to this podcast, I would just kind of like let these concepts sort of roll over because it's not this idea of, you know, just surrendering your life in and in, in, in a way that you no longer are invested in it. See, here's the deal. Here's the deal with him. Okay. So this is a great example of there's a mountain, there's no mountain, there's a mountain again. He is born the avatar. That is his destiny, mountain. He still needs to alchemize his effort that even though inside of him is everything he will ever need to accomplish his goal and his destiny, he has to travel the world and master all of these traits inside of himself to fulfill his destiny, the mountain again. And I feel like, you know, there's so much about the linearity of success in the modern world that it's like, okay, if I hit this point, you know, I'm really good at mastering one thing, then I'm excellent. And then when we come across another oppositional area of our personality that we're not good at, we try to apply the same concepts and that just might not be the thing that's going to work. And it can be scary and it can definitely be frustrating, especially my guess is I don't know. Again, I'm only hopefully halfway through life. No guarantee. That's what I'm aiming for. I'd be happy with 80. Um, The older you get, the more 
if you don't work at staying flexible and fluid in your mind and innovative, the more you kind of crystallize with what your concept is. And so you get comfortable with the areas of who I am. And when life comes in, it's like, yeah, that's who you are, but we'd like to teach you another aspect of yourself. You may embrace it or you may run from it. And if you run from it, a lot of times it comes back, that invitation to learn comes back in a bigger, messier way. That's what I've observed so far. I don't think it's always true, but I've seen that happen a lot. So it's that's why it's so interesting to know who you are, right? So like if you're born an airbender, if you're born in a family that I don't know, I'm trying to think of something really neutral that is makes clocks, then your understanding of clock mechanisms is going to be super easy, you know, but then if you have to go learn about farming, that might not be easy for you. I don't know. That wasn't a really good metaphor. But the idea is, is that if you know what you are and who you're good at, then it can sometimes help you understand what you're not good at. If you, if you espouse the idea of life that learning is the goal and not a static forum of success, meaning Success is like I've achieved it. Mastery for people that I've admired that have some level of mastery is a never ending process. You can always learn from the person in front of you. You know, I, I don't think you'll learn the same way in I think different phases of life and different areas of life afford us different availabilities on how to learn. But the more comfortable we are with ourselves and the more we have um, a connection to our value and I'll say it and our divinity whatever that means to you I think that helps us stay more open and flexible and therefore more teachable and perhaps even from that point more available to joy that was my dog I must have said something right because she settled down and in. So when we talk about um, the last episode, I talked about how this is the moon to let everything go and let in the new. It's like if we're only interested in manifesting for our own sake, not that there's anything wrong with taking care of yourself, but if it's out of fear, scarcity, there's really not that much juice or magic as opposed to knowing kind of the direction you want to go and working on yourself in that kind of um, achieving some sort of neutrality, meaning you're really clear about where your ship needs to be, but you're, the wind you're harnessing is one more of trust and faith. Something about the cultivation of trust and faith creates a neutrality in the body. You're not being run as tightly by fear. It doesn't mean fear won't show up. But if you're having a practice to harness the wind of, of faith, a choice of trust, then like the, the potentiality of your journey just exponentially grows, even if no one else knows. That's sort of like when you run into a friend and it's like, I don't know how this happened. It's just even better than I imagined. 
And that friend could be dealing with something really horrendous. It doesn't have to be a Pollyanna example. They could be having the best doctors that they've ever imagined in the best hospital they ever could imagine in the worst case scenario they never wanted to have anything to do with. And somehow it feels so weird, but they actually feel hopeful. And they'll say stuff like, don't think I'm crazy, but I think it's going to be all be okay. <laughs> so let me bring this a little bit more into the practical for you. Okay. Or for us really. So if you are in overwhelm, if you're kind of a type A like me, if you're in overwhelm, sometimes overwhelm brings out more overwhelm. But what the overwhelm, that kind of overwhelm needs is a dial back. If your overwhelm is, I'm so overwhelmed, I can't move, I can't do anything, nothing can get accomplished, and you need to kind of move into action. And both of those extremes need to be brought closer to neutrality. Neutrality is alkaline. The human body is a resilient being, amazing in its ability to adapt, change, grow. And alkalinity is the key element to that. When you are alkaline, you are not acidic. When you are alkaline, you are in a state of neutrality, meaning everything's in balance. You're in balance. And if you are interested in manifestation, when you're in balance and your manifestation, your energy that you're putting to what you're trying to achieve isn't coming from panic or fear, it's coming from the natural effulgence of you. It's kind of like one of those things where like if you're in a closer to neutral or alkaline state, you might be dealing and navigating this crazy journey, but you keep bumping into things that help you. It's crazy. So this is me kind of circling back around seeing, you know, how did it go? Did you check in with yourself? What does it feel like if you're, if you're someone who likes to be on the doing side of things, what does it feel like for your completion of task to be surrendering and where are you are you in there's a mountain are you in the no mountain phase and you're needing the depth the, that kind of depth of surrender are you needing to alchemize your effort you know the more acidic hostile and fearful your environment is around you the more your gentle pulse of alkalinity neutrality, loving kindness, first and foremost to yourself so that it emanates and doesn't pull from an empty cup is incredibly powerful. Don't underestimate it. Don't, don't underestimate the in uncontainable, far-reaching effect of your own resonance. Yeah. So enjoy your Monday. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with an interview. And um, send me a DM. I want to know if you, if you're noticing what you're noticing. I think these are powerful times to be harnessing yourself and your own internal wisdom. And um, community is a human necessity. It's how we reflect our growth. It's how we, one of the ways we can be inspired for change. 
And I know that whatever change that you're here to bring about is needed. Have a beautiful day. Hi, you found Rebirth and my name is Kate Breton. This is a part two episode. Um, So feel free to just jump right in. But part one came before it says October, uh, let go and let in the new. Might be helpful to listen to that one first. I don't know. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. As always, stay connected. KateBreton.com. Upcoming offerings will be revealing in the next month. Ways for us to you know, harness our internal environment because our external environment is a little tricky these days. And so what a fantastic way for us to cultivate the opposite and um, anchor in the truly brilliant beings that we are. Thanks for listening.